There's a creator named Talon Michael. Talon Michael, that guy is doing an amazing job expanding the kingdom of God. He got touched and he launched a YouTube channel. Two million people following him on YouTube. You're the biggest solo Christian creator now on the platform. You haven't walked this fast in years? Well, let's go a little faster. Hallelujah! <laughs> All right! I didn't come for dead religion. I didn't come for some washed up sermon. I came for the power of God. When the Holy Ghost is in the room, breakthroughs in the room. When the Holy Ghost is in the room, healing's in the room. When the Holy Ghost is in the room, new levels are in the room. I said the joy of the Lord, it is your strength. What God does in one, he'll do in another. What God's done in my life, he'll do in your life. When you touch someone in faith, when you reach out and touch God with faith, you get what you're believing for. It's this simple. Believe the word, stand on the word, act on the word, operate in faith, never walk by sight. I said religion will teach you lessons. Only Jesus can give you life. You can't lose if you stay in the realm of faith. My generation, your generation, this generation shall be saved. Hello. Welcome back. Today I'm going to teach you a very valuable lesson. This is the number one secret that you're going to need to know. The key to great grace. This is the secret to accessing great grace in your life. Now, somebody's going to say, well, what is grace? I thought grace was just the power of God to forgive my sins. Although that is a part of grace, that is not primarily what grace does in a Christian's life. Grace is God's empowerment, his unlimited favor on your life. Somebody type in the chat, I have great grace. I have Great grace. And as you're jumping on this morning, make sure you share this with somebody. If you're watching on Facebook, share it on your timeline. If you're watching on YouTube, share it with somebody that you know. And let's get right into it. Grace is God's empowerment on your life. But I'm going to teach you how to access that empowerment today. 2 Peter chapter 3. Good morning, Pastor Eli. Good morning, Megan, Arvin, Evelyn, Megan, Alexa, Faith. Good morning, everybody. Very happy to have you on today. Make sure you keep hitting like, you keep hitting share. Today's going to be deep. We're going deep today in the Word of God. This week, we're focusing on pride and humility. Good morning, Megan. We're focusing on pride and humility. This is something the Lord's been working on my heart about. Understanding that when you're young, and God wants to use you young, God has no problem using young people. God's always used young people. They say the disciples were between the ages of 17 and 25 when Jesus called them into the ministry. So God has always used young people. He has no problem with using young people. So if you're young, God wants to use you. If you're old in age, God wants to use you. But the number one thing that will hold people back from being used mightily of God is pride. Pride will hold you back from fulfilling the great call that God has on your life. Look at this, 2 Peter chapter 3. Yesterday we talked about pride. Today I'm talking about humility. You can write that in your notes. Humility is the key to great grace. Humility is the key to great grace. The lower you go, the higher God can take you. 
2 Peter chapter 3, verse 18. But grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Somebody type this in the chat. You can grow in grace. You can grow in grace. Meaning, you're not just, I'm saved by grace through faith, brother, therefore I got grace. You can grow in grace. Meaning, grace has a measure to it. You can look at somebody's life and say, they operate in a great grace. They operate in a high level of grace. Grace has measures. Grace has dimensions. Grace has levels. You can grow in grace. 2 Peter 3.18 But grow in grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. You can grow in the grace that Jesus had. Jesus had the greatest grace. He had grace beyond measure. The Bible actually says in the Gospel of John, it says he was full of grace and full of truth. Now, a lot of people, they get caught up in the grace side. They think grace is just the power to forgive sin. No matter what you do, how you do it, who you do it with, God's going to forgive you. Now, he is faithful and just to forgive sins, but there's only one kind of sin that God will forgive. And that's repented of sin. God's grace to forgive you of your sins only works with the right heart posture. A heart posture of faith. Faith has an action. Faith is an act. It's not just believing and just speaking. There is action involved with faith. The action involved with repentance is turning away from sin. Now, a lot of people say, no, you're saved by grace through faith. Faith is an act. They'll say repentance is works. The Bible says faith without works is dead. It's not real faith if there's no corresponding action. Somebody write that in your notes. It's not real faith if there's no corresponding action. The Bible says faith without corresponding action is dead faith. It's not real. It's not alive. I show you my faith by my action. Humility is action. You can grow in grace. Three ways to humble yourself to access great grace. Number one, go with me to 2 Chronicles chapter 7. In the Old Testament, 2 Chronicles chapter 7. Make sure you hit like and you hit share. Second Chronicles chapter 7, verse 14. Listen to this. If my people who are called by my name humble themselves. A lot of people out there praying, God, humble me. Lord, humble me. Dangerous prayer. Probably the last thing you want on planet Earth is for God to have to humble you. Do not wait for God to humble you. Trust me, I've been humbled by God. It's not a good feeling. It is not a good feeling. You will be, you will have to fight shame. You'll have to fight condemnation. You do not want to be humbled by God. Now, it's not God putting shame and condemnation on you, but the devil will use it as an open door to mess with you if God has to be the one that humbles you. It is much better for you to humble yourself. Have you ever had a moment 
where you knew you were living wrong. You knew you were going in the wrong direction. You knew you were doing something wrong and the Lord had told you, he's t he pricked your heart about it. Hey, do this, change this. Quit going that way. Quit doing that. But you didn't change your action. And then all of a sudden God had to humble you either through your pastor or through another man of God or through a turn of events, humility came. And it wasn't fun. Didn't feel good. It's much better to humble yourself. This is the picture I'm kind of getting for this. Imagine like going to the gym and working on your diet. There's two ways you can get healthy. Either by taking care of your own self, taking care of your diet, exercising, or... You can wait until you have to have triple bypass surgery and the doctor has to humble you and say, look, you're 450 pounds. If you don't do something right now, you're not going to live to see your kids graduate high school. We don't want that. Somebody type in the chat, I will humble myself. Don't wait for God to humble you. Choose to humble yourself. Second Chronicles chapter 7. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and heal their lands. If my people will humble themselves. What happens in 2 Chronicles chapter 7? The Lord is talking about fasting and prayer. Here's the first way you humble yourself before God. Fasting, prayer, and repentance. Fasting, prayer, and repentance. If you want to access great grace, fasting and prayer is necessary. It shows God that you're willing to humble yourself. One of God's definitions of humility in the Bible is fasting and prayer. Fasting and prayer reveals to God that you don't lean on the arm of flesh. You don't rely on your own strength, but instead you say, I will fast and I will pray in my weakness. God is made strong. I'm strong in the Lord and in the power of his might, not in the power of my flesh. The Bible says it's not by might. It's not by power, but it's by the spirit of the Lord. So when you fast and you pray, you're revealing to God, I have humility. I'm humbling myself. If my people will humble themselves, fast, pray, seek my face then God will show up strong on their behalf. The first key to accessing greater grace in your life through humility is fasting and prayer. Fasting and prayer attracts favor. It attracts grace to your life. Every person that operates in a high level of grace has a consistent schedule of fasting and prayer. You talk to anybody, any great man or woman of God on the planet. If you say, hey, when did you see a turn of events in your ministry? They'll say, when I started to fast and pray. When I did this 21-day fast. When I did this 40-day fast. When I did this 3-day fast. When I started fasting one day a week. Every person that operates in a very high level of grace is a person who fasts and prays. Fasting and prayer is a doorway to greater grace. It is humility. Number two. Go with me to Philippians chapter two. 
Philippians chapter 2. Verse 8. Philippians chapter 2. Verse 8. Make sure you continue to hit like and hit share. Keep, keep liking, keep sharing. People need to hear the key to great grace in their life. Number two, the second way to access greater grace by humility. Philippians 2 verse 8. And being found in human form, speaking of Jesus, he humbled himself by becoming obedient. Somebody type in the chat, obedience. The second key of humility that opens the door to God's grace on your life is obedience. People that fast and pray have great grace. People that obey God have great grace. Your obedience is 100% attached to your grace. God cannot take you further than your last place of obedience. You must understand that. God cannot take you further than the last place you obeyed him. And being found in human form, he humbled himself. God didn't have to humble Jesus. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death. Even death on a cross. Therefore, verse 9, listen to this. Therefore God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name. So that, the, the, so that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven, on earth, and under the earth. And every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Jesus' humility led to his exaltation. The Bible says, if you will humble yourself under the mighty hand of God in due season, you shall be exalted. Great grace, exaltation, promotion. The Bible says promotion comes from the Lord. People are always praying, seeking God. Lord, open doors for me. Lord, open the heavens for me. Father, give me great grace. Give me great favor. Well, everything in the Bible is built on spiritual law. Cause and effect. It's covenant. Remember, remember the Bible is a book of covenant. You uphold your end, God upholds his end. Our end of the deal is to humble ourselves, to put on the nature of Christ. When you humble yourself, God will exalt you. When you will humble yourself under the mighty hand of God, what does it look like to humble yourself? God, wherever you want me to go, I will go. I'll go where you tell me to go. I'll do what you tell me to do. I will say what you tell me to say. Wherever you want me to work, however long you want me to work there for, whatever you want me to do, just use me, Lord. Just use me. Isaiah chapter 6, I believe. He said, who will we send? And Isaiah the prophet said, here I am, Lord, send me. Humility is not entitlement. Entitlement is pride. Entitlement is pride. Somebody type in the chat. Entitlement is pride. I covered pride yesterday, but entitlement is one of the, the most obvious red flags of pride. You know, I moved down to the south 
And the North and the South in America both have issues. Everyone's got issues, right? You got to fix your issues. But one thing I noticed about people in the South is they are the most touchy group of people you'll ever meet in your life. And what touchy means in the North, touchy means like, like physical touch, not that touchy meaning like their feelings are touchy. The entitlement level in the South is beyond anything I've ever seen in my life. If you walk into a room and you don't smile at somebody immediately, they, they feel so entitled to a smile that they like believe that you have some vendetta against them and they get like super offended. And then they're, they're angry and offended at you for like two whole months and bitter towards you because when you walked in the room, you didn't smile at them or you didn't give them a hug or you didn't say hi the way they wanted you to say hi. Entitlement is a killer. They didn't wave at me when they walked past me on the street. Entitlement will kill people. Entitlement. Think about the prodigal son. The, the story of the prodigal son is all about entitlement. The prodigal son leaves, comes home. He gets the fattened calf. He gets a ring on his finger. He gets a robe put on. The father takes him back in. They're rejoicing that he's home. But the entitled son says, you never killed the fattened calf for me. And the father had to say, it's been yours the whole time. Why are you being entitled? Entitlement will kill you. Entitlement will quench the spirit of grace on your life. Don't get entitled. No matter how long you've been working in a church, no, no matter how long you've been serving under a man of God, no matter, uh, Dr. Oral Roberts, I thank, I thank God for my pastor because he always reminds me of this. He always tells me and my soon-to-be brother-in-law, Caden, this. He quotes Dr. Oral Roberts' mother. He's a great tent evangelist. And she used to always tell him, Oral, stay small in your own eyes. Stay small in your own eyes. Let me see if I can find that scripture. Romans chapter 12, verse 3. Let's go there together. This is good. The opposite of humility is entitlement. Romans chapter 12, starting in verse 3, the NIV NIV translation. For by the grace given me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the faith God has distribute, distributed to each of you. For just as each of us has one body with many members, and these members do not all have the same function, so in Christ we, though many, form one body, and each member belongs to one another. So highlight that in your Bible. Do not think of yourself more highly than you ought. No matter how much, how many ministry opportunities you have, no matter how many eyes are looking at you, no matter how many YouTube subscribers you have, no matter how much money you make, it is crucial to not think of yourself 
more highly than you want. Obedience. Obedience will always trump entitlement. People feel entitled to do whatever they want. This is something I've had to battle. You know, like growing up, I've always been an independent individual. Always had to make my own money. Always independent. But you realize a great man of God prophesied over me a couple of weeks ago. He said, don't be independent. He said, don't be independent. He said, get as connected as you possibly can. Become dependent on the body of Christ. Now, that doesn't, man be, that doesn't mean become a mooch. It doesn't mean become a taker. And it means don't be entitled. But get connected. Be obedient. No matter who God sends you to, no matter where God sends you to, God spoke to me. He said, go to Ruston, Louisiana. Get in faith, church, and sit under Pastor Stan and Mary Pody. I did it. By the grace of God. Obedience triumphs entitlement. Don't get entitled. Choose obedience. All right, number three. Go with me to James chapter four. James chapter four. And I'm going to pray for you today, so don't go anywhere. James chapter 4, submit to God. You can write that down for our third one. So obedience can be a one-time thing. Submission is a lifestyle of obedience. Submission is even when you don't agree. True submission, my pastor says it this way, true submission is when you don't agree, but you submit anyway. True submission is when you disagree, but you submit anyway. Jonah disagreed with God, but eventually he had to humble himself and submit anyway so that the will of God could be done. True submission is when you disagree, but you choose to submit anyway. James chapter 4, starting in verse 6. Listen to this. But he gives us more and more grace, power of the Holy Spirit, to meet this evil tendency and all others fully. That is why he says, God sets himself against the proud and haughty, but gives grace continually to the lowly, those who are humble enough to receive it. Verse 7, and this is the result. So be subject to God or submit to God, another translation says. Resist the devil, stand firm against him, and he will flee from you. Living a life of submission to God gives you access 
to more and more grace or the power of the Holy Spirit. It says he gives it continually. When you live a life of submission, even when it doesn't look like what God is doing makes sense. Even when God tells you to, I mean, think about all the different times God has spoken to you to do something or take some type of action. And you're like, what? Why that person? Why that place? Why that? Why give that amount? I remember there was a time where I, and I tell this story often, but it bears repeating. There was a time I had $600 in my bank account. And the Lord spoke to me and he said, give 540 of it to this specific minister. Well, in a week I had rent due. I had utilities. I had car, not car payment, but uh, insurance. I had all these different bills due in a week. And my monthly expenses were like between 800 and $1,000. So I already didn't have enough to meet my needs in the natural. In the natural. So when God said, give $540 of that $600 to that minister, I did not feel like submitting. In the natural, it didn't make sense. But the Bible says, do not be deceived, for God is not mocked. Whatever a man sows, that shall he also reap. And it says, those that sow abundantly, reap abundantly. When you sow big seed, you reap big harvest. And the Lord began to bubble these scriptures up. And, and even though it was, I had to battle myself, I submitted myself. Even Paul said, I submit my flesh. I put myself under submission, lest I myself be disqualified. So you have to choose to submit yourself, submit your body, submit your members, submit everything about yourself, your mind, your will, your emotions, everything. You must submit to the will and plan of God. That's how you access great grace. So I gave that $540. I had 60 bucks in the bank. The next week I was going to a minister's conference with $60 in the bank. I get down there about two or three days later, a great man of God comes up to me, shakes my hand and he says, Hey, am I a partner with your ministry yet? I said, no, sir, you're not. He said, I'm going to have my accountant send you a thousand dollars today. And every month from here on out, I'm going to send your ministry a thousand dollars a month. Well, that was two and a half years ago. Or just about two years ago. So that $540 seed has now turned into almost $30,000 in harvest. Because he's been a financial partner with me ever since then. That's great grace. Somebody type in the chat, great grace. So that's great grace. Even though I didn't feel like submitting. Submit yourself to God. And resist the devil. Resist the flesh. Resist pride. And God makes generous grace abound towards you. It actually says in 2 Corinthians 9 in the Amplified, it says he makes all grace, every favor and earthly blessing abound towards you in abundance. I'll give you a fourth one and then I'm going to pray for you. Number four, generosity. Generosity. 2 Corinthians chapter 9 in the Amplified. Generosity opens the door by humility to great grace. Generosity is an act of humility and it accesses all grace and every favor and earthly blessing. Listen to this. 2 Corinthians 9 verse 6. Remember this. He who sows sparingly, meaning a little bit, meaning you got $1,000 in the bank and you give 100 meaning you got two, $3,000 in the bank and you give 100 that would be sparingly. You don't feel it. 
It's still nice that you gave, but you don't feel it when you give. That's what the Bible is saying by sparingly. Remember, there was a, a widow woman with two mites, and then everybody else was dumping all this money in there. Jesus said, they give out of their abundance. She gave everything she has. And he said, she gave more than all of them. Giving out of your abundance is different than, than giving abundantly, generously. He who sows sparingly and grudgingly will also reap sparingly and grudgingly. And he who sows generously that blessings may come to someone will also reap generously and with blessings. But wait, it gets better. Verse 7. Let each one give as he has made up in his own mind and purposed in his heart. It's not up to God how much you give. The Bible says it's up to you. Now, God will put an amount on your heart. If you say, Holy Spirit, how much should I give? He'll tell you a seed that will change your level. But I'm going to warn you, God is not stingy. So here, here's the funny thing. People will be like, yeah, I got 10 grand in the bank. I asked the Lord what he wanted me to give. And he said, give $500. I doubt it. That's how you purposed in your heart, which is great. You can do that. But God is generous. So when God speaks to you about a seed, it will be a, a seed that changes your dimension. For me, it was when I had $600 in the bank and God said, give 540 of it. And it changed my dimension. It broke poverty off of me forever, where I no longer lacked. Somebody type in the chat, I will no longer lack. Verse 7, let each one give as he is made up in his own mind and purposed in his heart, not reluctantly or sorrowfully or under compulsion or pressure, for God loves, listen to this, he takes pleasure in, prizes above other things, and is unwilling to abandon or do without a cheerful, joyous, prompt-to-do-it giver whose heart is in their giving. Whoo, that'll make you run around the building. There's somebody that God takes pleasure in, prizes above other things, is unwilling to do without, and it's a joyous, cheerful, prompt-to-do-it giver whose heart is in their giving. If you want to be somebody that God says, that person, that man, that woman, I take pleasure in them. I prize them above other things. I am unwilling to do without them and abandon them because they are a cheerful, joyous, prompt to do it giver. You have to increase your generosity and this will be your result. Verse eight, and God is able. Someone type in the chat, God is able. Able to what? God is able to make all grace, not some, not a measure, he makes all grace, every favor and earthly blessing come to you in abundance so that you may always and under all circumstances and whatever the need be self-sufficient, possessing enough to require no aid or support and furnished in abundance for every good work and charitable donation. Hallelujah. Praise God. He's able to make all grace, every favor and earthly blessing abound towards you in abundance by humbling yourself in generosity. And I've seen this in my own life. We've given over $145,000 to other ministries worldwide this year by obeying God's word in generosity. Last year, we gave just over $12,000 to other ministries. This year, we've given over $145,000 to other ministries. Changed levels. Somebody type in the chat, I'm changing levels.
the four keys. The four keys, I'm writing it down here, to accessing greater grace in your life, all through humility, is number one, fasting and prayer. Number two, obedience. Number three, what did I say number three was? It's out of James chapter four. Yes, submission to God. So not just a one-time obedience, but a lifetime of submission. And then number four, generosity. Amen. Let me pray for you today. I want to pray that God changes your level. In Jesus' name. I'm going to give you an opportunity to ask the Lord what he'd have you give today. Give you an opportunity to connect yourself to what God is doing here with this ministry. We're raising up a thousand online evangelists to reach this generation with the gospel. Worldwide, we've already had over 2 billion views on our content, which is insane. It's like 20% of the world's population. Absolutely amazing. I think we have 115 people in our program the Kingdom Accelerator program, raising up people to reach people with the gospel online. We've given $145,000 way to other ministries worldwide, and we're currently feeding 2,000 kids each and every single month in third world nations. This is a handwritten letter that I keep on my desk from them to remind me that we're doing the Lord's work. I believe we've provided just over 30,000 meals to them which is amazing. So if you have a heart to reach this generation, I want to encourage you to give today. I believe God is going to send a hundred people and speak to a hundred people to sow a seed of a thousand dollars or more into what God is doing here with this ministry. And I believe God is going to send 200 people that he'll speak to, to sow a seed of $500 or more into what God is doing through this ministry. We're reaching a generation. Gen Z shall be saved. And you can help us with the vision. You can connect to what God is doing here. I challenge you. I encourage you. Ask the Lord. What would be a seed today that would take you to the next level? What would be a seed today that would honor God and honor what we're doing here? And I want to encourage you to, to partner with the vision. And if you're not already a monthly partner, I want to encourage you to partner with us online at revivalway.com. You can click partner financially today. The different ways that you can give are on your screen. Cash app, dollar sign, Revival Way. Venmo, at Revival Way. And PayPal is at Revival Way. You can also give on our website, RevivalWay.com. You can click Partner Financially today. There's a link in the chat for you. You can click that link. It'll take you right there. Or you can give through Super Chat on YouTube. And I'll give you just a second to give today. Let me shout out some people that have been very generous lately. Mike LeMay, thank you for your generosity. Veronica Aguilar, Daniel Falch, thank you for your giving. All on PayPal. Yahweh Saves, Jessica Young, Tyler Owens, Teresa Jones, Tricia, Aubrey, Adrian, Ivan, thank you for your generosity. Thank you, Pastor Eli, for your generosity. 
And thank you those that are giving on Super Chat. Thank you those that are giving on Venmo. And thank you to those that give on our website. I was just praying for our financial partners this morning. Yeah, Jan said, YouTube takes 30% of the donation when you give here on Super Chat. So I encourage you to give on our website. That's a better way to give. I was just praying for our financial partners this morning. I was praying for all of you. And I, I feel strong in my spirit that your season of breakthrough is on the way. The things you've been sowing for, the harvest is on the way. The breakthrough's on the way. You're about to enter into new dimensions that you haven't experienced before financially, in revelation and wisdom, and in favor. And most importantly, in grace. In Jesus' name. Let me pray for you today. And then stick around because i got a very important video for you. Father, in Jesus' name, I pray for every person under the sound of my voice right now. Every person that sows today, would you increase them, multiply them, bless them abundantly. May all grace, every favor, and earthly blessing abound toward them in abundance today. In Jesus' name, I touch and agree with them as they sow. And I believe angels and ministering spirits are going now to bring every harvest in, in Jesus' name. And Satan, I command you to take your hands off of every harvest now, in the name of Jesus. And everybody said amen. And amen. If you're watching this after it's recorded, the same faith you have right now to give is the same faith that will work at any time. There's no time in the spirit. So if you're feeling a tug to give, you can give right now. It'll still work for you. Like I said, I believe God's going to speak to 100 people to sow a seed of $1,000. Maybe it's out of their personal, out of their business, out of their ministry. And I'm also believing God's going to speak to 200 other people to sow a seed of $500. If that's you, I encourage you, go for it. The day I sowed a $540 seed, it changed my life forever. And I believe it'll do that for you as well. In Jesus' mighty name. Hey, if you are anywhere... Within a 20,000 mile radius of Ruston, Louisiana. If you're in the United States, you can come from out of the United States too if you want. But if you are in the United States anywhere, I want to encourage you to come to our massive event called Three Days of Glory. We did it last year, packed the place out. We had overflow. It was a weekend of Holy Ghost and fire. Some of the best meetings I've ever been in. It was a mighty move of God. And we have it every year, Labor Day weekend, September 1st through the 3rd. It's a Friday, Saturday, and a Sunday. And we want to have you there. I'm going to get ready to play a video for you. And I strongly encourage you, bring your family. You can register on our website at faithchurchruston.com. And you can click register on the events tab. I'm going to play a video for you right now to give you a proper introduction. But I strongly encourage you, come and check us out here in Ruston, Louisiana, Labor Day weekend. You'll be very glad that you did. And I will see you tomorrow morning, 1130 a.m. sharp. Bye-bye. Hello, I'm Stan Pody. I would like to invite you to join us at Faith Church in Ruston, Louisiana for three days of glory. Yes, this Labor Day weekend, we're going to have three powerful days of the teaching and preaching of the Word of God, as well as signs, wonders, and demonstrations of the Spirit. You're going to want to be here for this. Click link in bio for more information, and we look forward to seeing you this year, Labor Day weekend, at our second annual Three Days of Glory.